First Lutheran Church, it's good to see you. It's nice to be here in the traditional service with you guys in our sanctuary. I want to say hi to those of you who are tuning in uh, with our simulcast in our fellowship hall. I want to say hi to those of you who are watching on TV and to those of you who are tuning in online. It's so good to be together. Even though we're not in the same room, we still get to worship God together. I think that's awesome. So we see that question. Who do you trust? It's the next step that we're taking in our Restored series. If you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks or if you're new, we've been uh, going in this new series called Restored. And we're taking a look at the good and beautiful God. We're getting back to knowing God's real identity. This good God who wants to get us back to a good spiritual health. And so now we're at the point of trust. Who do we trust? When I spend time with the kids down in Sunday school, oftentimes the answer that I get with this, uh, not just with this, but with any question that people, that I'll ask them is, okay, um, this is a question. It's being asked in church. The answer is Jesus Bible pray. You know what I mean? And, And frankly, that actually almost always when you're in church is a pretty good answer. And they're spot on though when they say that, especially the first part. I trust Jesus. I trust God. See, Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So I had a question for you. How you doing with that verse? How's your trust? Do you trust? Who do you trust? Maybe the better question is, who can you trust? I hope that today we can see together that we can trust God because he's trustworthy, because of what he does for us, because he loves for us, because he cares for us, because our best interest is always what he has in mind. See, trust is this really simple word, and I'm pretty sure that if I asked anybody in this room, you could probably give a definition for it. Okay, it's confidence in something or someone. It's believing in someone's reliability. But it's one thing to know what a word means and then to actually live it, to actually apply it in your life. But there is a group of people who, they really, really understand trust very well. And it's third graders or kids just in general. That's why in that video, you saw some of the students from Magnuson Christian School, and they meet just down the hall over there. And I loved sitting down with them, first off, because they are just really cool kids. It's fun to be around them. It's, uh, I love being around in the office when they're uh, so full of joy. They inspire me, and one of the things that they inspire me with is their trust. See, kids are really good at trusting because it's in their nature to trust. Frankly, they have to trust in order to live. I mean, there's a reason why when you go to the grocery store, you don't see a third grader with the shopping cart looking at the deals, planning out their budget, hopping in the car and driving home. In fact, that would really scare you. That's not a good situation. No, they trust that someone's going to wake them up in the morning. They trust that someone's going to give them food. They trust that someone's going to take them to and from where they need to be. They trust that someone's going to take care of them. And as adults, as we get older, somewhere along the way, we start to say, well, Maybe I was wrong about trust. And in some ways, that's good, because somewhere along the line, maybe you learned, I can't trust a bully. And that makes sense, because you shouldn't trust a bully with your friendship. But what about the other things to trust in? What about the good things to trust in? 
Somewhere along the way, we got misled. I graduated college about a year and a half ago. Um, and so some of my friends from college, some of my friends from high school, we'll get together every now and then. We like to catch up and explain what's going on in our lives. You know, sometimes we kind of exaggerate, try to look like really cool in front of each other, you know, and then after a while it breaks down and we're just ourselves again. But in those moments where we're trying to like, well, this is what I'm doing with my life. I uh, run a business meeting. And really what they mean is I'm sitting in the back trying to take notes. And I might say, well, I'm talking in front of church. And what it really means is I get up here really nervously and I'm scared to death. And then one of my friends said something really heartbreaking. You know, if there's one thing I learned in the business world, if there's one thing I've learned as an adult in all my 23 years, because that's when you reach wisdom, <clears throat> trust me, it's not. It's that you can't trust anyone. You can't trust anything except yourself. Make your own luck. That's devastating. Do you really think that you don't trust at all? See, it's in kids' natures to trust, but I bet it's in yours too, on a daily basis. See, when you drive down the highway, you trust that the person on the other side is not going to intentionally veer over and hit you. When you're at a restaurant, you're trusting that the chef is not going to intentionally poison your food. Subconsciously, you're trusting people all the time. Can you imagine the world if there was no trust? how paranoid we would all be. I mean, so you're just walking around like, I'm watching you, I'm watching you. All right, I see you, you're coming up to me. Hey man, how's it going? Why do you want to know how's it going? I don't just see him, what's up? Why do you want me to look up? You after me? Yeah, you're trying to get in my head. Come on, a world without trust, you can't imagine it. We always trust. You're able to trust. It's in our nature to trust. But what about the trust that we intentionally put in people? You know, the trust that we invest into our relationships. You know, that's the trust that really hurts when we lose it. You know, I was trying to think, when was the first time that I understood that maybe there's someone out there that I can't trust? When I was in third grade, like those kids, I, uh, I loved playing sports. And sports were so fun at that age because you could just, you could be the worst and your team is terrible. Like, you play basketball, you pick up the ball, walk five steps, dribble again, and they don't even call travel because it's, why not? I mean, it's, it, who cares? The refs, I mean, they're half asleep anyway. They're just there to get, you know, 20 bucks or something for the game. It doesn't matter. But I had this coach, and I made a bad play. And this coach ripped into me when I came to him. I'm in third grade. This doesn't matter at all. And he rips into me. And you know what I learned? I learned that I'm too afraid to trust him. I can't go to him. Now is the first time that I can remember. I'm sure there were times before that, but that's the first time that I think of when I realized maybe I can't trust everyone. It's, it's devastating when that happens. Because when you lose trust, you also lose a relationship. As a 23-year-old, oftentimes when I get into conversations with people and they're putting wisdom on me, relationships come up all the time. If anybody, you know, hearing my voice right now is around my age, you know this. When you get into a conversation with someone older than you, younger than you, whatever it is, they want to talk to you about your relationships. And they say, relationships have one crucial element. 
There's one thing you got to build your relationship off of. If you got this, everything else will work out. And the ones who know what they're talking about, just trust me, there are some who I just, I'm like, I really hope you don't know what you're talking about. But the ones who do know what they're talking about, you know what they tell me? Build your relationships on trust. See, God knows this because he invented relationships because he's the most trustworthy being of all. And he knows that if we don't trust him, well, then we don't have a relationship with him. The thing that he wants more than anything, we lose a relationship with him when we don't trust him. And so God makes a big deal out of it. See, our image of God gets, mis- gets, it gets misled because we think of the coach, you know, who, who we can't trust. And we look at God and say, well, that coach was kind of a role model for me. Or maybe for you, it's a parent. And that parent was supposed to love me. But they let me down, and that taught me that I can't trust. So God, you're supposed to be this father figure, and you made everything around me, and you made everything around me, and you know what? Some of those things that you made around me are mistreating me, primarily the people that you apparently love. How can I trust you? See, we've we've reversed something there. We're taking the people who have let us down, and putting that image on what God must be, rather than saying, God, you are the perfect father, and setting that as the expectation for who we can follow and who we can trust. Of course, nobody's going to reach God's level. But we get to look for people who love us, who reflect God in our lives. See, God gets this. And he says, no, 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 you're misunderstanding me. You're misunderstanding our relationship. You're misunderstanding trust. So God makes a big deal out of it. It's all over the Bible. We'll put up some passages right now on the screen just to kind of illustrate this. We won't read through all of them, but just an example. So Psalm 56, 11, I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Go to the next slide. We've got some more Psalms, and from Isaiah 12, 2, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Next slide. John, in the book of John, Jesus tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Are you noticing a theme about God here? When we trust in him, something changes. When we trust in him, we're set free. The context of these passages are full of chaos. We read that and we're like, oh, well, they're at peace. Things must be good in their lives. No, no, no. The Bible is full of potential danger and fear and daunting tasks. But they can say, I'm not afraid because I can trust God. It's all over the Bible. In English translations, it shows up over 200 times, this word trust. That doesn't even count the verses that just allude to the idea of trust. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Joshua 1, 9, don't be afraid or discouraged. The Lord is with you wherever you go. See, what it's saying is, Don't be afraid because you can trust me. Understand that you can trust that I'll fight for you. Stay calm. Have peace. Jesus says to his disciples, yes, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. Trust in me. I've overcome all of them. Trust me. Trust me. See, when we see people who have this understanding, these people who have this wisdom to get it, and I need those reminders. I need to see those people because I don't get this very often. I really mess it up. I'm stressed. I worry. I freak out over things that don't matter. 
But to me, it's a huge deal. And I said, well, how can I trust? I look to these other people who have this trust in God. You know, the people who really get it, they have this phrase. It is what it is. And when I first heard that, I kind of thought, well, it is what it is. I mean, that's kind of a cop out. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Well, so you're not going to try? Well, no, when you're being faithful when you say that, if you're a faithful person who says that, well, it is what it is. I did my very best. I did everything I could. And there's a certain point where I reached my limit. It is what it is. These are my circumstances. They're not ideal, but that's okay. Because I trust God to take care of me anyway. See, we run into this on a daily basis. The other night, my sister was in town. She's a senior at Luther College in Iowa. We don't spend a lot of time with each other one-on-one because we're in different parts. Uh, we're in different states. We, don't get a, we just don't get to meet up that often. And so to celebrate, I'm like, hey, let's go to Dairy Queen and get some blizzards. You know what I'm saying? Let's let, not the one over here. The one over here, um, uh, the one that we went to is farther over by my house. Um, and so we drive up, and it's getting a little bit late, so I'm speeding over there, pull up, the lights are still on. I'm like, yes, it's still open. This is perfect. Get up to the drive-thru uh, menu. And I, I open my window, and something interesting happens. Nobody answers me. Hello? No answer. Hello? No answer. And just as I'm about to say, is anyone there? The menu light shuts off. Oh, no. No, 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 no. This is not happening. And my sister, Danny, it's fine. Let's just go get some McFlurries from McDonald's. McFlurries, please. You are my sister, and I will treat you right. You are the princess of our family, and I will get you a blizzard. Because I love brownie chocolate chip cookie dough. So I pull up to the, the drive through window, nice and calm, and I roll down my window, and I wave friendly. Obviously, they just didn't see me back there. And, I see that there's people in there. The lights are still on. There's employees. And I, okay, they're not answering, right? So I, I maneuver myself out the window. My sister's just embarrassed. Like, please, let's just go. Please, like, this is humiliating. I knock on the window because obviously they just don't see me. You know, that, that's the problem here. And this girl, this, this, uh, this young girl, she looks at me. Are you, what are you, she can I help you? I think when she was asking, can I help you? Are you crazy? Like, really, do you need help right now? Can I call someone for you? uh, Hey, yeah, I'm just here to order some blizzards. Oh, sorry, we're closed. No, I got here and the lights were on, okay? You can't tell me that I don't get a blizzard tonight because I'm here, I have my money, I have no self-control, and I need some blizzards. Okay? I want my blizzards. I, this is a disgrace. This is what's wrong with America. You shut people out. You hear me? Yeah. I'll show you. I'm never coming back here again. Eventually, my sister gets me back in the car, and we drive away, and I'm just letting this Dairy Queen have it, and I am so upset. And eventually, I just say to Chrissy, you know, Chris, you know what else isn't fair? And Chrissy interrupts me, and before I can answer my own question, she just says, life isn't fair, Danny. It is what it is. You can't control it. See, there are certain circumstances in our life that we just can't control. And at the end of the day, it's still going to be okay because we have this peace. And that Dairy Queen thing is just a silly example. But it illustrates the point. We have this peace no matter our circumstances. It is what it is, but I'm going to be okay because I trust in something that's bigger than my problems. 
And so some of us say, okay, yeah, yeah, I hear you. You can trust in God. I get it. That's great. But I don't need to because things in my life are going pretty well. You know, I'm successful. I have a good family. I, I have excellent health. I don't need God. See, it is what it is because I made it what it is. So you people who trust, you're obviously just just not making your own luck. You don't get it, do you? Ah, Jesus has something to say about this. See, when you try to do it all on your own, you're missing the point. Jesus went over to some friend's house, to the sister's house, Mary and Martha. Jesus sits down with them. And Mary sits at his feet and she's listening and she's embracing this. Meanwhile, Martha is doing everything she can to make this event perfect. She's making the event what it is. She's saying, I'm gonna take control here. I'm gonna make it perfect. And she sees Mary sitting there at Jesus' feet doing nothing and she is frustrated. And so she says to Jesus, hey, what's the big deal? I'm the one making the work here. I'm the one doing everything. Tell her to help me. What's the problem? I love Jesus' response here. We'll pull it up on the screen. It's in Luke, excuse me. Yeah, Luke chapter 10. It's verse 41. Let's read this together. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. You can try to do it on your own. You can find all the success you want. You can make it what it is. But the fact of the matter is something that I've found out over time is that no matter how much money you have, no matter how much education you have, no no matter how much status you have, no matter how respected you are, no matter how good your health is, at a certain point, we all have the exact same social, or excuse me, the exact same spiritual needs. We all meet our match. None of us can conquer what this world's gonna throw us. Pain, suffering, hurt, disease, and death. We've met our match. And it is what it is. What do we do? We have to trust in something that can beat our opponent. We have to have a checkmate on our side. Jesus has an answer. You turn the book over one and we find Jesus in a really heartbroken situation. See, he has this friend Lazarus who's gotten sick. Someone comes up to him, it's Lazarus' sisters. Hey, Jesus, our brother's sick. Help, please. And you know what Jesus says? I'll stay here for a while. It's good that he's sick. It will glorify God. Well, how can I trust that? You see, God, I see your promises. I read your promises. Oh, when I trust in you, something's going to change. I don't have to be afraid. But that doesn't always match up with my reality. Because my reality is there's depression in my life. There is anxiety in my life. There are fears in my life. There are struggles that I just can't overcome. And there you are, 
see, you're just sitting there. You're just waiting there. You did nothing to help your friend. Are you doing anything to help me? See, God, this is my circumstance, and it is what it is. Where are you? When I used to get rides to school for my mom, we'd listen to Paul Harvey. And he had this phrase. But then there's the rest of the story. Next page. Turn the page. See, Jesus eventually gets up with his disciples. He said, all right, let's go see Lazarus. And he also tells them, by the way, Lazarus is dead. Devastating. I mean, Jesus had a relationship with Lazarus. This was his friend. And then he says something mind-boggling if you don't read the rest of the story. But he says, and I'm glad I wasn't there. What do you mean you were glad you weren't there? You could have saved him. You're the son of God. You have all divine power. You could have helped him. And you're saying you're glad he wasn't there? Next page. Jesus shows up. And one of Lazarus' sisters meets him. Oh, ever been with someone who lost someone that close? Have you ever lost someone that close? What do you want to say to God in that moment? Where were you? It is what it is, and it stinks. I'm broken. Lazarus' sister has something profound. Let's read it together. John eleven twenty one. Lazarus' sister says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. My circumstances, they are what they are. But I trust you have something more, right? No, take off the right. I do trust you have something more. You know who said that? Martha. Martha is the sister of Lazarus. Martha, the one who used to try to do it all on her own. The one who said, I'm going to make it what it is. Somewhere along the line, she heard Jesus' word and she took it in and she began to trust him. My circumstances, it is what it is. But God, my Jesus, my Savior, Messiah, there must be something more. I trust that you have something more. See, Jesus came to meet her in her sorrow. We always forget that. We say, God, you saved back. No, next page, he always comes in. In fact, he never left you. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word was Christ and Christ came in to encounter us in our suffering. And not only does he just show up to check off, you know, hey, I'm here. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus gathers with the friends at the tomb. Jesus wept. See, Jesus isn't like that coach who hurt you. Jesus isn't like that parent who betrayed you when you really needed him. He's the coach who, he's more than a coach. He's your friend. He loves you. It's like my college coach in track. He pushed me so hard on the track. When I needed him most, he was also there to hug me and to cry with me. 
whenever I needed him. Jesus is the perfect father. He shows up and he weeps with us. He cares enough to cry with us. He's heartbroken with us. He has empathy. And we can say, all right, you know what? That's great. You're here broken with me, but my brother's still dead. And that is what it is. So what do you got for me now? Look at what Jesus says. Take a step back before Jesus cries. He makes a promise to Martha. Trust these words. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Jesus says to Martha, and we'll pull it up on the screen. It comes from John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And so Jesus walks up to the tomb and he says, remove the stone. Can you imagine what his disciples thought? Remove the stone? What? I mean, I can read the headlines tomorrow. This great once respected rabbi made a fool of us all because he removed the stone and told it, it's going to stink in there at, at the very least. His body's been in there for four days. Next page. Story doesn't end there. Lazarus, get up. Who has authority to tell the dead to get up? And Jesus does. And the dead man walks. Although he died, he lives. Next page. You know, there's some stories that just don't even need an analogy. And this is how this one ends. See, Lazarus, he would die again. Sure, he raised from life, maybe had another decade, two, three, four, whatever it was, but he would die again. And everyone who can hear my voice right now, whether you're here in the sanctuary, the fellowship hall, watching on TV, you're watching on your computer at home, we're all gonna die. Maybe you can increase your life by having good health, by, by, by working on yourself, by, by taking life as a blessing, but eventually we die. And in between now and then, all the good and bad is gonna happen. We're gonna be pumped. We're gonna have joy. We're gonna have celebration. We're gonna have pain. We're gonna have suffering. We're gonna have disease. And we're gonna have death. Next page. And here's the rest of the story. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. If you believe in me, if you trust in me, if you trust that I can save you, if you develop this relationship with me, you will live even though you die just as you're living now, except multiply it for eternity in perfect peace, in perfect trust with the Father. This Father who loves you so much that he refused to watch from far away, he comes and he encounters you in your sorrow. I'm gonna send my son for you to die for you. And when he dies, you and your sin died. And when he rises from the dead, you rise from the dead. Yes, in this world, Pain is what it is. Fears, they are what they are. Anxiety is what it is. Depression is what it is. Disease is what it is. Death, it is what it is. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live. And that 
is what it is, and that's the rest of the story forever. We know how it ends. No matter our circumstances, we get the final victory because of what Christ did for us. He's so trustworthy. He's trustworthy now. He was trustworthy yesterday. He's trustworthy forever. Accept him. Accept him. Accept that trust. Welcome it. He's not going to make you. You can keep trying to do it Martha's old way, but you're not going to find the life until you trust him. The life that lasts forever. Because this life, it is what it is. But Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And he always will be who he is. Trustworthy, loving, forever. God is trustworthy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a trustworthy God. Thank you for coming down to this earth and not sitting back, but encountering us in our sorrows and our struggles, God. When we say it is what it is, we don't say it as if to say we give up. It is what it is. We can't control it, but we know the end of the story. And that is that you win every time. In life and death, you win. You want to give us life. We trust you to give us that life. Amen.